0: Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Big Neil?
1: It's a dark day, Lance. Dark day indeed. Of course, we are talking about the Steelers' week 14, 16-14 loss at the hands of the hated rival Baltimore Ravens, dropping the Steelers to 5-8 and eight on the season. That's what... The new standard is going to be talking about today. We are going to take all of your teeth gnashing, hand-wringing, remote-throwing anxiety over this one, trying to keep a level-headed perspective over what I I think was the worst competitive game the Steelers have played in the last two years. This score shouldn't have been anywhere close to as close as it was, in my opinion. Now, while they've been destroyed by the Eagles, by the Bills, by others last season, Chiefs most notably, the Bengals, a lot of teams now that I think about it. Um, This was the worst the Steelers have played in a game that they had a reasonable chance to win. I mean, you just don't see this very much. But this team, over the last two years, Lance, over the last, what, 30-some-odd games, uh, you just don't know what you're going to get week in and week out. And this, this this was bad. This was a really poor game in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, it was. And before we jump into the first segment of the show, because I want to get you to break this down and get your thoughts on it, because we disagreed slightly, but we'll jump into that. And so we're going to jump into first Neil's game spill. But before we do that, I want to let you guys go. You can check out the program on YouTube by going to the New Standard, doing a search for the New Standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kulong or you can join the show via podcast by going to a podcast feeder and doing a search for the new standard and Steelers. The new standard Steelers, Neil Kulong or Lance Williams, you'll find the show. Please give us a like and subscribe and a happy holidays to everybody out there. We went, I mean, you you made a couple of interesting points about the onside kick. What would explain that why you thought, uh, they should have gone for the onside kick um, at the end of the game, as opposed to the route that they went. I, I just thought that, you know, I thought the decision was Tomlin was going to try to extend the game, maybe put it on his run defense. Might not, It obviously wasn't the right call to make one stop in the game. And just for the fact that onside kicks are very hard to recover. That was my thought on it. I really didn't have a, I didn't really disagree with it. Um, What's your thoughts? Uh, Because you thought that they should have did the onside kick.
1: Here's the thing. If you don't get the onside kick, you have to stop them from running the ball anyway. You don't lose anything with the onside kick except field position. Assuming you kick, they recover, which you're right, is most likely going to happen. They pointed out the Steelers haven't recovered an onside kick since 2007. That's the last 14 attempts they've missed, including the Chris Boswell- whiff on a kick against the baltimore ravens a few years back i am not at all suggesting it is a high probability scenario what i am suggesting what also is a very low likelihood in this game was the steelers stopping the ravens from running the ball for 10 yards and that's exactly what happened you may as well give yourself the remote chance of a weird fluky bounce on brand new turf by the way not literal turf, but the, the grass they installed was new. We saw that on Harvin's punt earlier in the game. Weird things can happen. What I'm suggesting, though, is Tomlin is taking the position of we need field position because we need to get a field goal if we happen to stop them. I, I don't disagree with that. Getting the ball at midfield is going to be your best bet of field position. Kicking off and having them, you know, having to stop them um, on what three run attempts is really all they would need. Uh, I'm doing the math in my head quickly. The Steelers had timeouts. You have the two minute warning. They would have had to get one first down and probably run um, <clears throat> the three plays. I'm not sure if they were done at that point or not mathematically, but the point here is there's an extreme remote chance. The Steelers could get the ball, but in my opinion, Having the Ravens start that drive in which you have to stop them on three plays, which they're going to run. And they've run for like nine yards a pop at that point. Having them stop them in midfield and get the ball. There is a reasonable outcome of the whole thing kicking off and and having them take the ball to 25. It's, it's irrelevant. There's no difference between those two scenarios. Either way, you have to stop them. You may as well give yourself a chance to get the ball and start, attempting for attempting to move your stagnant offense toward a game winning field goal I, i'm not saying mathematically it was a terrible decision but there's no reason not to try an onside kick uh 230 you have two timeouts and the two minute warning to me there, there's no point and you, you may as well have tried the onside kick knowing full well that the odds are terrible i'm not freaking out over it i'm not calling for his job i'm not going to get on my my soapbox of football strategy and and try to tell Mike Tomlin his business. But really there's just simply not much of a point in not trying to get the ball in that situation. What he is saying instead is we'll kick it up high, have them return it, try to get a fumble on the kickoff and then put our sorry ass run defense out to stop a team that's running all over you, especially in the second half. He's banking on the idea that perhaps if they stop them short on the first two downs, Third and long, you're getting the ball back on third and long because they're definitely not going to have the undrafted rookie um, try to throw his way out of that situation to get the first down to win. But look, and yes, I know they're terrible at onside kicks. Here's a, a, a news flash for everybody nobody in the NFL is good at onside kicks. Statistically, it is the least probable thing of happening next to a safety in a game. It doesn't happen often. That doesn't change the fact that you don't have another way of getting the ball that doesn't put the Ravens' run offense back on the field. And I'm assuming you watched the game. One of the big takeaways of that game is Baltimore ran straight through Pittsburgh the entire game. All they're going to do is run. Okay? Either way, if you don't get the onside kick, all they're going to do is run from midfield. Or if you kick off, all they're going to do is run from the 25. What's the difference? One scenario yeah. as you at least trying to get the ball back. The other one, you're asking a run defense to do something that nobody on earth thought that it was capable of doing, and it didn't. So I, I'm just Except saying. Except it. the coach. It. The coach was the only guy. That thought thought it was it. Gonna to. I would put their odds on the same level as the Steelers run defense stopping the Ravens rush offense on first, second, and third down. I, I would I would have equated the probability of those things happening to be the same. That's just me. I'm pessimistic. I'm kind of fired up. There's no way the Steelers were stopping the Ravens when they got the ball with their offense back on the field. You may as well try to get the ball back. That, that's, that's all I'm saying.
0: You know what's interesting in this game? I can't recall a game where I've seen three backups play in the same game. I don't think I've enough. ever seen it. I don't think I've seen it. And I know it doesn't happen often. I was just like, wow, this is pretty rare. We get three backups. I mean, we have four quarterbacks in the game. I mean, how many times do you see played? four four quarterbacks played? I mean, that's that's pretty rare. One thing about the quarterback play, and we're going to get to the big stuff on defense because clearly the underlying theme in your point was the run defense was bad. And we'll talk to that and we'll look at some of those numbers. And we often have a Pickett's nitpick section. Um, and we talk about Kenny Pickett's game. Not much to talk about today, but there is something very significant to talk about. And that's the concussion issue. Is it? Does he have a concussion problem now? And, and let me ask one question too. So that's the first question. Does he have a concussion problem? Is it time to start being concerned with concussions in Kenny Pickett? And secondly... The whole concussion protocol stuff confuses me in the NFL. How was he able to play another series? Then he went out the game and never came back. It's weird.
1: So, so jump into those two. Let's things. dig into that. Let's dig into that. It, it's important to go over this timeline because this will be something talked about this week. I don't think that people are really jumping on it yet. What happened was Kenny Pickett was tackled. He was flipped around. There's some Yahoo that was yelling at me on Twitter about how it was an illegal hit. It absolutely wasn't. Roquan Smith put him on the ground the way that he's supposed to. He was a runner. It's fine. No problem. Unfortunately for Kenny Pickett, he got hurt. It's a rough game. Um, It seemed like his head hit the ground. It seemed like he got up a little bit woozy. So they put him into the, the blue medical tent, which is where the unaffiliated neurological consultant, the UNC takes a look at the player to evaluate them for the concussion symptoms that both the league and the union have agreed upon. So it's very, that's a very important distinction and that's going to be important in a second. They are not determining whether or not he has a concussion. The agreement is if he shows certain signs, certain characteristics, they hold him out of the game. If he doesn't, it's free to play. If he's able to play, he cleared that. Then he went back in, played like a play, and then like stumbled off the field. They saw him and they took him out, took his helmet. He was done for the game immediately. The Tua Viola situation is kind of what brought the the heightened, um, what do you want to say, the heightened uh, uh, scrutiny after the player has been evaluated and goes back in the game. That's what happened here. He passed, I didn't want to call it, you can't even call it a test. They're, they're running a, a series of observational um, diagnoses on the player who's being evaluated. People are, are often misconstruing this to be they're testing him for a concussion and saying he doesn't have a concussion. They can't determine that in five minutes. That's much longer term. What they're looking for are concussion symptoms. And if he doesn't show that, they're not, that's not a part of the agreement. So they're not going to take him out of the game if the player doesn't feel that he should and the coach doesn't feel he should. Clearly, in this case, considering Pickett wasn't touched and he stumbled off the field, it it was obvious that he wasn't right in the head. So they took him out. Um, The confusion that you mentioned, Lance, comes into uh, the the protocol itself and how they are determining the symptoms themselves, because these aren't things that they're talking about at, at a high level because they don't want to. What they don't want to happen, though, is exactly what happened today to Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Nothing happened to him, and he went back in the game. <laughs> and then it's obvious to anybody who was watching it, he's not right. So they had to take him out. And it, you, you get into a real problem of protecting the player from himself, protecting his long-term health. At what point can you say he shouldn't go back in the game versus guys that are fully prepared to sign a waiver that says, I'll play. When I say that I can play because they have millions of dollars at stake and Kenny Pickett plays the position that makes the most. He can't miss time. Ask Mitch Trubisky, what happens if you miss time? It's happened both to him and against him in his career. Kenny Pickett does not want to have the reputation that you mentioned. Okay. So let's dive into that. Kenny that Kenny Pickett having an alleged concussion problem is absolutely an issue. It absolutely is an issue. As somebody that has had many concussions, I can tell you the ones, the 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 latest ones that you got, you obtained much easier than the first ones that you got. Okay, right. Very little has to happen to you when your brain gets bruised, which is what a concussion is. It doesn't heal well. It really just doesn't recover um, in in a, a real progressive kind of way, which is what. Uh, it eventually becomes CTE. CTE is like the shadow remnants of a concussion and how the brain covers it up in order to heal it. But it doesn't do that. Instead, it screws your brain up and you have much larger problems. You don't want that to happen long-term, but these guys want to play the game. They want to be out there on the field competing It's hard to say one way or another what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It's it's going to be inexact. There's no other way to do it. What I know is this. Kenny Pickett threw the ball one time today. One time. He got sacked once. He ran three times. Kenny Pickett wasn't throwing the ball a whole lot. Kenny Pickett has run the ball a, a fairly decent amount to this point in his career. Steelers fans have yelled for years about Lamar Jackson and how the Ravens, who are following suit with this, shouldn't pay him this a, a gigantic contract for a quarterback that's going to eventually get hurt. Kenny Pickett needed 10 games to pick up two concussions. You got a problem there. That That's an issue long-term. Is he going to be viable? Is he going to be able to continue playing? Not. I, I'm not saying he's going to retire. I'm saying that the hits don't need to be severe anymore with Kenny Pickett. He's obviously had enough of these that – it'll take less contact for him to return to the same state of mind that we saw him in today that I'm not trying to sound callous, but as far as an investment goes, it's really hard to trust that. And he's a running quarterback. As of now, he's run the ball, uh, far more than average for an NFL passer. So yeah, you absolutely have a problem. Um, Not just next week either, which I also want to dive into because I don't know if you want to start Mitch Trubisky again, but and, and yeah, I'm gonna guess Kenny Pickett's not gonna play next week. It, it's he could. I've been wrong about this before. It's all situation to situation. But you you got a tough, a, a real tough spot for the Steelers to be in right now. I'm, I'm gonna you connect don't know what's the gonna dots with them.
0: I'm gonna connect the dots on what you said. It's interesting because it makes you think. Because you know, if concussions are handled poorly in the NFL, concussions are absolutely terribly handled in college and. And because there's no regard for the safety of a college football, which is player. to say they're not like, handled at all. <laughs> exactly, they are not handled in college. And, and from your explanation and your personal history with concussions, it makes you ask the question: Has he had an issue with concussions all along? Has he had a concussion issue at Pitt, and you know maybe he had some issues with
1: that that were you know not hidden, but you know maybe but- concealed. Like Chris um, Mack just chimed in. It, he says it's his seventh concussion since 2018. And that that well, obviously that, doesn't go before that, but that's a lot in yes, a that, pretty short amount of time. You, you have to be
0: worried about that. Yeah. I mean, that that is absolutely significant. And to that point, you have to be concerned. And there's been some questions in the chats about Mitch Trubisky. And... You see that, you know, the only way you get better at playing quarterback is by playing quarterback. And this brings up an interesting scenario because you made a couple of jokes on, on Twitter about Mason Rudolph. And next week, I think in connecting the dots, I think you don't see Kenny Pickett to what C Mac said to the most recent concussion. I think you don't play Kenny Pickett next week. I mean, you're you're not going to the playoffs. You, you have to start thinking about protecting your long-term investment and you got to start thinking about his health and it might be a good time to not start him. So I anticipate that they will not start him next week. And with that being said, I think it opens up the question, who is the backup? I mean, cause I think as, as, un, as weird as not competitive as this game was, they had every opportunity to win the game. I mean, he, he turns the ball over three times they get a field goal blocked. I mean, you, maybe you take away two of those interceptions. You know, they possibly win this game, we'll give even you one. though they play. You, you it's know, not I all mean, three of them. I mean, I mean just it's give me one, Steelers give me two, football, You know, you know, they might still win the game, but I, I think there's a significant question next week in terms of who's the backup quarterback, or there should be. You know, if, if you're sitting in Mike Tomlin's chair. You know, who's your backup quarterback next week,
1: given Kenny Pickett probably does not start? Um, after today, there's absolutely no way I'm starting Mitch Trubisky next week. There's no way. I, it, really weird part of this game. I don't know if this is being picked up on as much as as I feel that it should. And maybe I'm just making a big deal out of it because it's just so odd. But. Do you remember the stretch of time in which Kenny Pickett, when he first came in and he threw like 15 passes, 12 of them were caught by Steelers, and three of them were caught by the opponent? Trubisky <laughs> was exactly like that today. It's like, what the hell is going on here? I, I, You can't throw three interceptions in like 14 passes, okay? That goes for both Pickett. And Trubisky. You, just, you can't do that. It, it killed the Steelers' offense. Three interceptions and then a block kick. That's what happened today. And they still had a chance late in the game to pull out a win. That only brings up the what-if question. That only brings up what would have happened if he only threw one interception. It, it's, it's maddening that you even have to have the conversation because he threw three of them. And all three of them were incredibly... Stupid decisions and poor throws on top of it. If Trubisky is incapable of looking at anybody other than who he's going to throw the ball to after he receives the snap, he can't play quarterback in the NFL. I'm not trying to be all shock jock and and dramatic about it, but that's exactly what happened. And the throw deep to Deontay that got picked off was terrible. The, the deep completion that he had to Pickens was terrible. That shouldn't have been caught. It was a joke. The defender did exactly what he was supposed to do. The only reason he wasn't in play, in, in a, uh, this was Marlon Humphrey too, by the way, is one of the best in the game. The only reason Humphrey was not in position to intercept that pass is because the pass went to somewhere that no NFL quarterback would have put it. It's just stupid. <laughs> you can't play him again. You just can't. I, yeah, really, I agree. Probably, I to mean, be honest, he probably will. I don't see the point. I think you may as well put Rudolph out there. I'm not saying that that's giving up on the season. It is kind of wishy-washy, but I don't know what you want him to do at this point. I don't know what you want Mike Tomlin to do anymore. He doesn't have good backup quarterbacks. He has guys that have started and failed miserably in the NFL. You may as well start the third one now. Because the second one has gotten multiple opportunities and he is so incredibly up and down, you have no idea what you're going to get. You may as well put in the other guy. And uh, correct me if I'm getting this quote
0: wrong, because I'm probably going to get it wrong, uh, because I don't do sayings really well. Um, Difference without a distinction or distinction without a
1: difference. It's a a difference without, it's a distinction. God damn it, Lance. It's a <laughs> distinction without difference, meaning these two okay. things both exist, but it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> yes, and that's what the
1: backup quarterback situation yes, in Pittsburgh probably is. Probably that's that, fair. I'll get off my rant, you know, and thanks. I will say that is fair. Is there a difference you know, between Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky? Probably no. not. I'm just saying, though, Trubisky was god awful today, and it, it's it's embarrassing to watch. It's embarrassing. You hung your run defense out to dry at the end of the first half and then the entire second half because you kept turning the ball over. You made a couple plays, great. You gave them far more opportunity to win the game than you gave your own team. That's that's rule number 1 of a quarterback.
0: Yeah, yes, can't have absolutely. That. Yes. Especially in a game when you're going up against backups and you give backups three extra possessions. But I want to pivot before LT hops through the screen. On YouTube and punches me in the face because I see the all caps. You guys are talking about offense. The defense is the elephant in the room. They
1: got thrashed no on elephant the in this room. There's, there's no, no elephant in the room. This room okay. It's there, a there, long there, show. No Buckle up. We've got a way. We got a ways to go. There, I even not into the There, there, there is
0: no, there is no, and let's jump into hmm. some of these numbers. Ravens ran it, and and, and and the last time they played Huntley, interesting, they ran it for over 200 as well last year in the game against Baltimore. J.K. Dobbins, 15 carries, 120 yards, 8 yards a carry. Edwards, 13 carries, 66 yards, 5.1 a carry. They ran it 42 times for 215. I mean, the Steelers could not stop the run. This is how bad this was. The Ravens had, and I'm doing the math in my head, 309 yards of offense. 215 were on the ground. They only completed 11 passes in the game and won the game.
1: And they were shaky as hell passes, too. It it, it... Steelers secondary, while not the headline here, and I'm not going to boost them in front of anything else, but the Steelers secondary, especially in the first half, was just god-awful. I don't know what they were doing. I, I was talking to a couple buddies of mine, uh, real high-end football people, and it was like it, it, the whole secondary is going to get their asses chewed out in the second half. If Tomlin and Austin are not double-teaming all of them for the entire break, something's they were they were horrendous. The secondary was awful today and it needed to be it needed to step up and make a couple plays not a ton it didn't need to be the legion of boom they just needed to stop a poor receiving group from catching passes from a bad quarterback and they couldn't do it and then the ground game took over the steelers had their opportunities early in this game and they shouldn't have cuz baltimore did not play a whole lot better than than pittsburgh did pittsburgh just played more bad overall
0: Yeah, it was this type of game. And and Marlon Nicholson, and I want you to speak to this, brings up a good point when we're talking about the Steelers run defense. Because the question I'm going to toss to you is, you know, what was it? Is it scheme? Is it they were just getting their asses beat up front? Because he brought up a great point. The defense has had gap control problems for years. And all I hear is how great these overrated, high-paid defensive players are. And, you know, it's one of those games where – you know, you gotta ask, was it a gap control thing? Is it they were just getting manhandled at the point of attack? I mean, from you know, you're I mean, of course we haven't looked at the film because it's not available. What's your thoughts offhand just looking at it from the first time?
1: What was the big issue with the run defense today? First and foremost, just to dive into this, they don't pay a defense. They pay players. Okay. Mika yes. Fitzpatrick played a great game. Don't tell me he didn't. Yes. He gets paid a lot of money. That's a great TJ distinction w- there. T.J. Watt is not healthy. We talked about this leading into the game. He hasn't been healthy all year, essentially. That's 40% of the payroll of their defensive players. So don't, don't give me the highest-paid defense bullshit. That, that's, that's just intellectually dishonest. It's stupid, and, and you should know that. They have a lot of guys who are not paid very much who really aren't very good at football at the NFL level. Those guys exist in the middle of the field, okay, For all the accolades, everyone wants Devin Bush to be this great player. He wasn't good today. He didn't play well today. And if Miles Jack is not at the top of his game cleaning up everything, this is what's going to happen. Jack didn't play well today. Inside, you lost Wormley at one point, and Wormley isn't even all that good. They have no depth on their defensive line. DeMarvin Leal probably isn't even in shape yet from, from the large amount of time that he missed to say nothing of the fact that he's a rookie. The only two guys on their defensive line right now that are playing is Cam and Larry Ogunjobi. And I don't think they got great games from either of those two today. So this is what happens. If the high-priced guys do not have all pro-level performances, they get run on for 200 yards, that's that's not a problem of the star players. That's a problem of the fact that they don't have anybody else. And it is a position that's going to need to be addressed this offseason because, unfortunately – and Joby's doing good enough of a job. He's going to get paid somewhere. It's probably not going to be in Pittsburgh because incidentally, this is where it does matter that you pay a bunch of defensive players. They have a lot of money invested over there. They need younger guys. They need younger guys that can come in. that can play right away. As far as the gap discipline goes, that's on your linebackers more so than it's on your defensive linemen. Although yes, there is a gap mentality that you have to have as a defensive lineman. Your inside backers need to be on top of that. And I don't think Devin Bush was today just to to put it mildly. I'm going to guess he's going to get scathing reviews from, from his performance, not a a sound defensive game. The more of the issue that I have though, is this is exactly what it was like last year at this time. It's the same thing, the same problems, Cam Hayward. If if he isn't too gapping and destroying the entire run offense on his own, this is what happens. Nobody else is stepping up. They're wearing down. They're slow. And on top of it, their secondary was horse shit today, too. So, it, it, again, if Baltimore had a better offense, this would have been a 40-point defeat. They would have gotten killed. So there is something to say that they got beat up front, straight up by a team that was only going to run the ball. Hundley was bad enough. He went out, and something called Anthony Brown comes in. He didn't even throw the ball, did he? They just ran the whole yes Because they can. No, he he had good a couple at of
0: completions. What what amazes me, Lance, more than anything, is the
1: fact that this is the first Steelers loss to the Ravens in their last five games. The Ravens have been built like this for years. Since Lamar really kind of took over, they've been playing football like this. The Steelers can't stop water from running uphill in the second half of the season anymore. How is it that they beat the Ravens four times? It, It makes zero sense to me at all, but... This game was much, much closer than it should have been. Baltimore was clearly the better team. They didn't play particularly well, but that just goes to show how bad Pittsburgh was today.
0: Yeah, when a team runs for 464 yards in the last two matchups, averaging 232 a game, it's a scheme issue. It's a personnel issue. It's a everything issue. You can't stop their run game. I mean, and you knew... In the last two matchups, you're going up against backup quarterbacks and Huntley. And so it's it's something that they're going to have to address. And, you know, we'll get into the hypothetical a little bit later in the program because it centers around the defense and the defensive line. But again, I think it it, it completely brings up moving forward that they have some issues front, up front. And their defensive line is going to be something that they're going to have to take a look at in terms of depth because, you know, again, you cannot give up, you know, close to 250 a game against your rival in your division if you want to compete for championships. Um, And you're, you're absolutely right, Neil. It's amazing, given that they've given up so many yards on the ground to the Ravens that they actually won four in a row. I mean, you would think that they wouldn't have considering how they play defense, particularly run defense. But let me ask you a question because I, I and, and flipping it back on the offensive side real quick. Mel asked the question or he made an observation that it looked like although Mitch made some mistakes, it looked like the offense. Looked a little bit different with Mitch. There was it looked like there was some concepts in the passing game and just a little more aggression in the passing game. When they
1: had Mitch as the quarterback, did you see that? You agree I, with? I think the uh, offense looked a lot different with Mitch. I, I saw the yeah. other team running with the ball a lot more often than I'm used to. <laughs> it, this whole aggression thing—it's it, when you're aggressive and you suck, you turn the ball over. Mitch even said that. I'll dig and I'll, I'll find his, his post game quote. He copped to everything. There's one thing I will give Mitch Trubisky—he holds himself accountable, and I appreciate that. He very much is falling on the sword of this game. And while I wouldn't put all of it on him, certainly, uh, he really did not help. He helped Baltimore far more than he helped Pittsburgh today. M- most obvious thing you're going to hear all day. As far as him being aggressive, it, when we think aggressive, we think positive. And that's not the way that it always is. Aggressive means less likely. In a lot of ways, in, in football, his aggression throwing the post to Fryermuth, which was not open, which he watched the entire way, which he could have he told you every step Fryermuth took because he was looking at him the entire time. When your linebackers are in zone, they're just moving over to where you're throwing the ball. And Trubisky <laughs> yes. never saw him, never looked at him. He threw two of them like that today in the same half. I mean, that, that's inexcusable. That's his aggressive mistake. Those are not good mistakes. Just because he is throwing the ball to the middle of the field, which everyone thinks scores you more points for some reason, just because you're doing that does not mean you're being aggressive. Certainly not when you're stupid and you don't recognize what defense you're throwing against. They were in the most obvious form of zone they could have been in. As a quarterback, if you know you've got a front side post coming, you have to know where that backside linebacker is. Because if he's in zone, that's right where he's going to go. He's watching you the entire time. If you're watching nothing but the target, you're not seeing the backside defender. Guess who got two picks in this game? The backside defender. Because he stupidly threw against zone without being aware of the rest of the field. I've been saying this about Trubisky since they signed him. This is why it's a mistake. He doesn't see the field. He doesn't look at it. That cost them. I don't want to say it cost them the game, but it, it destroyed their offense for obvious reasons. The third interception, the one that was deeper, not a good throw, but okay, fine. You know I, that to me is a better aggressive mistake because at least hopefully you you throw it a little bit more to the to the pylon, get them out of bounds, at least you know put them at the one or something like that. But it, it ended up being a, a, a twenty yard punt, and today for Presley Harvin. That was a good punt. It worked for the Steelers in that way. I'm not worried about that. The slants, the, the short, skinny posts, you're throwing picks on that. That's a real problem. That's why you avoid the middle of the field when you have a quarterback that can't read it. And that's why Canada didn't call everything to the middle of the field the way everyone wanted him to, as if that was going to solve everything. You have to throw to where your quarterback can see and where your quarterback can throw. And he, he can't. He's just not good. Okay? It, it's as simple as that now. We don't have to talk about it anymore. He's out there throwing aggressively <laughs> because he wants to find another job next year. And I don't blame him for that at all. It almost worked until he threw three interceptions. It right almost against the Saints worked when he came until... In. Yeah, until yeah, it, it did. almost and worked that, until That's what happens he when you're aggressive. It's just that it's the stupidest concept. It, it, You want to throw the ball in an advantageous spot for your receiver to catch it and hopefully be able to run after the catch. He missed. Yeah. Backside. Of receivers multiple times and he didn't even throw the ball that much I, I could it, it seemed to me 80% of his passes in this game were negative he was bad just flat bad today and it, it it doesn't help when somehow you play a team that goes through its weak second quarterback and it's unknown third quarterback and you still have the worst quarterback on the field I don't know how that even happens <laughs> but that's what we got today and the best part is, Pickett, <laughs> um, uh, uh, Huntley, Brown, Trubisky. Trubisky makes as much as those three guys combined this year. Just putting that yeah. out there. I
0: mean, yeah, that, that's joke. You know man. that that that's that that's. And so, you know, one thing, and and we can just jump into. Well, you know, let me ask that. I think there was one positive um, in the game offensively. Uh, for the Steelers and just one probably positive in general for the game. And uh, that was George Pickens. I think, uh, you know, Pickens continues to play uh, quality football. Mel asked another question. I sort of got Mel's question wrong. So I'm going to dive into another question for Mel. And I want you to speak to this. Uh, Why do they constantly – and Mel asked, why do they constantly throw deep to DJ versus George? Pickens was having a good game. He was targeted three or three times. I think he had about wow. 75 yards receiving was off to a very good start. Actually he had uh, 78 yards receiving. Um, I was surprised that they kind of went away from him. I, I thought he was starting to cook against, uh, Humphrey and I was surprised that they went away from him.
1: I, I think, um, to be honest, I, I need to see it more. Um, my gut, I'll, I'll say this. Um, Because they don't want to throw at Marlon Humphrey. And there's a reason Marlon Humphrey was covering George Pickens. Um, Again, I I have to look at it. I'm not sure if that's what happened. I know that Humphrey had Pickens quite a bit. Pickens beat him a terrible throw by Trubisky that somehow Pickens was able to to adjust to and catch. Uh, Got him on uh, pass interference on the goal line in the next play. Pickens was working. Humphrey's pretty good. Humphrey, pretty good. So for me, yeah, I I might have taken a shot there again. Um, I need to see the situation though. I think what you're referring to, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you're you're referring to the 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 interception on which DJ was targeted, and then the the um the third down throw before the block field goal. I I want to look at that one. I'm not sure. Um there was a safety over the top. Johnson comments are being made as far as fighting for deep balls. Johnson is 5'10", 180 pounds. He's not out fighting anybody for a ball, okay? He can't get to a spot to really fight for – he's not big. He's not supposed to to fight for balls like that. Um, Johnson gets open. You want your quarterback to throw to a receiver who gets open. Uh, Johnson is able to do that uh, better than average in the NFL. He's not a terrible deep receiver. Again, I have to see uh, what happened. On, the, I, I think you're probably going to get the most hay out of this argument with the, the third down pass before the field goal. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I, I want to see the whole field on that. It didn't look like a good throw to me. I didn't get a chance to look at it uh, more in depth than that. It, it didn't look like uh, it, it was a throw he should have made. Um, he put it to a spot, though, that nobody was going to get to, so it makes me kind of feel like it's a one-read uh, throw. You get it and you chuck it. Either put it out of bounds or put it to to your open receiver. They were settling for the field goal, if you will. It's a third and thirteen play with this offense. I'm not surprised, but I I need to see that play before uh uh really weighing in on it. Yeah, this game definitely. I mean, when you look at this game, it was can just we, it, it can came. Can we get down into to... Boykin here? There's somebody here that's absolutely freaking out over Miles Boykin. I have to say something. I, I just Ariel. Are you aware that Miles Boykin had 1 catch last season and he has 1 catch this season and he has like maybe 30 <laughs> in his career? Miles Boykin is not a good receiver, okay? That's why they don't target him. He's not very good. Miles Boykin might be the the slowest accelerating receiver in the NFL. It takes him forever to get to his top speed. When he does, you're right, he's fast. He he's athletic in That sense, he's not a quick-twitch, big-play guy. He's a long, lanky, get-down-the-field-eventually-running-a-4-5-ish, somewhere in there. He's not a guy that goes up and makes plays on the ball in, in space. If he was, by now, he would have gotten the ball more. Nobody who's listened to this show feels that I hold Chase Claypool in a very high regard as far as an NFL receiver goes. He's twice as good, as good as Miles nice Boykin thing. is. Okay, Miles Boykin is a really not good NFL receiver. Boykin is there to cover kicks. Um, he's paid what a, a high end special teamer would be played. And I think, it, 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 I honestly, I think Boykin is one of the best special teams players in the game. He's good at that. Uh, he can cover kicks. He's he's got a good frame for it. He's a valuable special teams player. He's not a wide receiver. In the NFL, he's just—he's not going to be. You're not. There's a reason Baltimore gave him literally one target last season, and he's got what five this year. Didn't he have a catch today? That was weird. It's not even a, a <laughs> preseason. Game. Boykin's getting the ball. That's how bad their offense is. But no, I. am Sorry, I don't mean to segue too deeply into this, but Boykin's not no. An option. No, who did he? No, he why he. He got the ball. Why no, going he crazy? Did. He... Yeah, yeah, he he did not. Why would I have thought he got the ball? (laughs) Something called Stephen Sims gets four targets a game over Boykin. All right. That's how bad he did
0: not. Yeah, he did not get a catch today. And I guess this game, I mean, a great wrap to this game is pretty much uh, what Mel said here. The game was about Murphy's law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, That's, that's fair and everything went wrong like you even got a blocked field goal i mean all, like all types, 17 yard punt I mean, I mean everything that could possibly go wrong you lost to two backup quarterbacks I mean, like everything that could possibly go wrong could go wrong but let's let's jump into the last segment of the show and that that's Lance's hypothetical um <laughs> Let's jump into this because I wanted to talk about this. Double Eight said Cam can't be a one man showstopper anymore, like he was for a couple of seasons. Well, you just can't require a guy to be a one man showstopper in football. Uh, As if that's a bad thing. Uh, Trade him for draft (laughs) compensation and
1: move on. Do they trade Cam? (laughs) Who? One, the trade deadline's already passed. Okay, so you, you can't. Yes, yes, true. True. Didn't we I talk mean, about well, this in last show? Why does everyone want to trade not, Cam all not, of a sudden? Not,
0: not about trading, but more so, the hypothetical would be: Is Cam on the roster next year?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I'm not. There's a lot of questions to answer um, when it comes to that. It's not purely about talent. Um, I think he is playing at a high level. Um, I, I think you want him on your team. I think he's set to make a lot of money, and clearly uh, their their defensive line issues have not calmed down. They've not gone away. There, there are a lot of things that they're going to need to evaluate, and unfortunately, uh, Cam's going to be a part of that because he's a big chess piece in the whole thing. Um, I, I'm looking him up now, what he's set for next season. Yeah, with Cam here. The base salary of 15.85. Um with the six, they're, they're going to save nine while putting 12.8 dead on the cap. He's a tough cut next year. Um, that's not ideal, but it's not something they couldn't get around in some way. Um, it all depends. I, I don't think you should get rid of him. I think he's probably about where you'd like him to be. It's the second to last year of his contract. You're in a much better spot after that. I'm not sure he makes it to 2024, but as a holdover for next year, 22 million cap hit is not ideal, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, These are the expensive years. These are the ones that you get when uh, you restructure a guy and they could restructure him as well. That might help a little bit. I, I, I don't cut Cam Hayward for my team. Um, he is without really even the shadow of a doubt, the best defensive lineman that they have. You have to pay money for veterans. That's in a way, it, it's kind of a sunk cost. He's a captain. He's going to be Walter player, Walter Payton man of the year. You keep a guy like that on your team. If he's got two years left in this contract, at the very least you keep him that one more season. I think they should keep him the whole time because he's Cam Hayward, but that's just me sort of biased.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in terms of his play, I mean, he's still grading out. And of course, again, I always say this disclaimer, we're pro football focused, but he's grading out very high as a defensive interior. He's a high level player. There's no doubt he's he's still grading out as top five. I mean, I think he might be four, number four overall behind Aaron Donald. And I think uh, they graded out uh, the defensive tackle from Kansas City. I'm forgetting his name. Chris Jones. I think they got Chris Jones number one. Um, And then he I think in the top 5 I know it's Cam and Cam is grading out at around 88. So, you know, Cam is playing quality football. I mean, actually quality football. And I think, you know, you get rid of Cam, I mean, did you did we just watch the game? I mean, how many yards would they have given up if they did not have Cam in the game? They might have not they might not have passed the ball in the game. They might have done the infamous Ravens game up in New England years ago where Joe Flacco attempted nine passes. You might have saw actually yep. no pass attempts with Cam Hayward. I, I'll be honest game. with you.
1: I, I don't know why they did it anyway. That's with Cam on the field. And yes. He, Cam's it, look, run defense, you're, you're, the technique that you play, it, it requires a lot of things happening. Not having the presence of a dude of a, of a stud, a really good player is not having cam Hayward does not raise the level of your defense much. If your lowest end guy sucks, which is where the Steelers are right now. In other words, you are only as strong as your weakest link when it comes to your defensive line, as far as stopping the run, they don't have good inside linebackers. Jack Jack didn't play well today. I think they asked a ton of Miles Jack all year, and it was great. In my opinion, he made himself a Steeler for life this year. Miles Jack has played in, in inspired, uh, dedicated football all season. Not the same player that he was, but he's there. He's putting the work in, and he's doing a, an excellent job. I don't think he played particularly well today, and I think that opened up the, the gashes that you have. Anytime Devin Bush has to step in and fill a gap, which he can't do, and if Hayward isn't there, if Ogunjobi isn't there, it, it, it's, it's like nothing else is. It's like they play with five guys in their front seven. And that you, it doesn't matter. If you have the five greatest players on earth, you're going to get exposed when you do that. And that's where they are. They have to raise their bottom. And they just they haven't found, out of the guys that they've drafted in the lower rounds, like they've, they've always been able to find utility talent that can fill something of a role. When you don't have that, though, you're done. Warmly hasn't played particularly well. I, 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 To be honest, judging by his reaction, I think he just played his last snap as a Steeler. He's not going to come back next year. They, they have a lot of work that they need to do. The draft is going to have to address that. And Cam, it will be better on a better defense if there is more comparable, well, not fair to call them comparable, but they've got to get better athletes up front. I hope DeMarvin Leal can develop to that. I, I have hoped. Uh, Isaiah Loudermilk can develop to that. I think uh, it, Loudermilk hasn't dressed in weeks because they, they signed Joby. I don't think they expected the, to be in a position to sign Joby. and loud. They kept Loudermilk on the roster, but somebody has to, to be inactive and it's been Loudermilk. Um, I, I still like his progress. I thought he played well in, in, uh, in training camp in the preseason. They're probably going to add another body guarantee that, that, uh, Alo Alu's gone. Um, they're going to, Oga probably signs elsewhere anyway. So a draft pick and a free agent coming, uh, I would guess that's what they're going to do. Uh, and hopefully they can figure out something schematically as well because it, it's not hard to beat this defense if you're able to run the ball. Atlanta damn near did last week. And now Baltimore just everything but the score kicked the hell out of them.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I guess the last hypothetical. Is you know, I think Larry O won't be back. There was a couple of questions in the in the chat about Lario, and they were lucky to get Larry O this yeah, year. Yeah, they shouldn't have had it him was, anyway. They they got him was, on a, a medical fluke. On a medical issue, and fluke, they know that. So it was and it, it was lucky to get him. Ogan just
1: sorry to, to interrupt. Ogan Joby did this year and has done this year what they wanted Ingram to do last year, but he's too much of a chump. Ogan Joby should be raised up by Steelers fans. Great player. He's done a great job this year. And he's taken all the shit assignments that the other guys aren't able to do. And he's done very well with it. So he he's gonna get paid. He had he had like 40 million or 30 million guaranteed from Chicago, wiped out from a, a failed physical. It's the only reason the Steelers were were in the market to get him. And even then they were paying, what, eight and a half for him? Um, he's gonna get a pretty good deal in in the offseason. I would hope the Steelers um try. I at the same time, though, he's an older guy. He's earned it. I hope he gets, you know, top of market uh, dollars for for what he's able to do.
0: Neil, are you Sorry. Jake shoot stuff? Jake shoot stuff has posted some great posts. I, I, <sighs> I, maybe not, it was your 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 alter
1: ego, Neil no. shoot stuff.
0: But anyway,
1: Spillane, you think that came from me? Did Spillane play today? Yes, he did play. Spillane Remember got Spillane kicked out of the off- hall you remember when Splane picked off Jackson in the first play of the game? <laughs> remember yeah. Remember those? Got out of,
0: he got kicked out of the hole, I think, on the running play to end the game. I think he got. Of course he, did. Uh, of course he I did. think he got kicked out. <laughs> um let me ask you this before last one last hypothetical, uh, before we get out of here. Um, uh, a lot of draft stuff mentioning an Ariel uh about got a draft, a legitimate inside linebacker. How about a hypothetical that they actually shock people and go and they draft a, a defensive lineman in the first round I mean I, right I now don't,
1: I don't think that you know, would
0: be a shock um you know would that be you know that's a hypothetical they, they draft and, and, and they draft an inside linebacker and the draft They always draft a damn inside is, linebacker. is, is you know, defense it's just,
1: defense first they and just second draft round. they draft buddy Johnson they draft Mark Johnson or Robinson or whatever his name is they just they need one of these guys to actually step up and play um They haven't had one of those the staple mid-round depth linebackers, mid to late round depth linebackers. They haven't had one of them pan out since Vince Williams, and they cut Vince Williams thinking that they had it, and and they don't. They they've had a a real tough time identifying um, that that key financial key um, depth. Uh, front seven player. They they need to find uh, probably two of those. They have to get an inside linebacker and they need an outside linebacker. They can play teams and step in and play if and when uh, Watt and or Highsmith get hurt because that's going to be a problem moving forward as well. <clears throat> then of course there's as somebody brought up the Dan Less experiment. <laughs> Um, yes, yes, that experiment ended a while ago. They just don't have anybody yes. else to. to and fill and
0: in. this is why I know that Jake you have to shoot finish stuff the tour is not with Dan actually. Moore. Yeah, this is this is why this is the proof that I know that Jake shoot stuff is actually not Neil because Neil would never call him Dan
1: Moore. He would also call he would not call anymore. him Dan less. Yes, that yeah, that's. <clears throat> I'd like to point out that I I believe Dan Less broke his season mark of plays until committing his first penalty today. He went like a good 12 plays before he got flagged for holding. You know, it might've been the first time they didn't have tight end help on his side, but good for Dan less, you know, he's, he's yeah. putting some good tape down for his future employment. I'm not sure what that's going to be. but you
0: bring up a good point though. Cause when you're talking about raise the floor, when you were talking about run defense, because imagine, you raised the floor, right? And here's the interesting thing, because Jake said wasn't he graded out as a right tackle? I believe so. Uh, but but Ooh. speaking of grades and Damn and more, and more out and, as anything. And, and less and Ooh. and Chukes now on PFF are basically graded out as the same player. Um, we saw Chukes play a lot better earlier in the season, but you know, his his level of play He's hurt. has has progressed. He's hurt.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense there. You, you can just, um, you can, with him, Chooks is so athletic. You can tell if he's not right. And unfortunately he's not right more than you would like him to, to be. But um I guess. yeah, I, I that, you <laughs> hear that screws me up now. <laughs> Um Chooks was playing very well. Uh, he's a good player. They got him at a discount. I, I still enjoy the arguments that we got into on this show. Not you and me, Lance. A couple of the readers freaking out about signing him. Um, he got, if anything, a little less than market for, for what his skill set is uh, to stay in Pittsburgh. He's a good right tackle. And maybe should have been playing left. Maybe he will next year. I don't know. They're, they're absolutely drafting. One of the three picks that they'll have in the top 45, call it top 50 to be safe, one of those three picks, I guarantee you, is an offensive tackle. I don't know whether it's going to be the, the their own pick, 12 to 15, or wherever they're going to end up. Um, I don't know if it'll be the Bears, which looks like it'll probably be pretty quickly into the second round, but they're going to draft an offensive tackle who can start um, early on next season. Dan Moore you know, that, is, is as much a contributing factor to the lackluster offense that they have as anybody is and there's no way it's interesting. He's next year you you say that because
0: you know friends of the program and your friend Doug Farrar uh, on Twitter mentioned them drafting a left tackle first round and I was like oh my goodness I hope they don't do that history says that they don't and I'm I'm not convinced of the ultimate value of a dominant left tackle but I will say this to your point of raising the floor. If you brought in a much better left tackle, now you have a guy in Dan less who's played a significant amount of snaps as your backup and your swing tackle, which makes your offensive line
1: a bunch better. Yeah, yeah, those guys still get paid. I, I'm not saying that they. I'm, I'm joking, saying that they're gonna ship Dan Lass out of town. I don't mean that at all. He's clearly too big to to move for cheap, so you may as well keep him. You want some experience um, out of you, your backup because ideally your backup doesn't play, you know, but you can't prevent that. You need to have a, a competent tackle ready for a position that gets hurt a, a fairly um, a high amount of time so for me more with the experience he has now he makes himself you know a few million more dollars over the next couple of years at least uh as a veteran who has starting experience he's not going out of the league I'm not suggesting that I just mean they need to have a a, a much better starter and at Lance you've heard me rail on about um not the lack of value for a left tackle. I just don't think it is enough as an individual to justify using a premium pick over a playmaker. That's just my opinion. I know clearly there are people that disagree with that. First one that I would argue is about how much better the Ravens' run game is when Ronnie Stanley plays, and we saw that today. Ronnie Stanley's a beast. That that boy, he can play. Really, really good player, um, and they use him in a ground and pound kind of fashion. So. I'm not saying there's not value to that, and the Ravens have gotten probably less than they would have liked for the amount of money that they've spent on him um, because he's gotten hurt a bunch, and that's another challenge with that. It, it's it's a, a very injury-prone position. It's very physical, and there are not very many of them. Dan Moore is proof of that. There are very few really good left tackles. There are very few six foot six, three hundred and thirty pound mammals walking the earth with the speed of foot that even Dan Moore has. There just aren't very many of them. So if you have the opportunity to get a high-level one, you will because there aren't going to be many in the draft. That's that's yeah. why the position is as valuable as it is. It's pure rarity, far less than schematic advantage. But when you can pull Ronnie Stanley, when you can pull Trent Williams, those short yardage situations disappear pretty quickly. Baltimore didn't do well right away on third downs they did great on fourth down in fact if it wasn't for a a snap that hit the pulling guard in the arm they probably convert the the jet sweep that Huntley fumbled you know it when you have multifaceted and versatile offensive linemen it doesn't matter what side of the line they're on uh, they're they're going to get a lot better the Steelers don't have great versatility right now they are better than um, what they have been but they need probably a, a more athletic left tackle, and I'm I'm almost certain that's what they're going to find this offseason.
0: Hey, Amos, welcome to the program. I know you are a new listener because he said Dan more, more like Dan less. We've been calling Dan less, Dan more, Dan less for the last <laughs> few weeks. And I want to go on record means... as saying
1: I have never once tried to pretend that I came up with that. I didn't. I yes. laughed at just how yeah. obvious and simple and perfect yes. it is. I yes. never thought of it. <laughs> Somebody commented and, on it, I don't know who it was, but it, it was it was excellent and still is. And Amos, or, please I just called him poor Dan Moore. I mean, he's just poor open Dan for Moore. all kinds of all kinds of more negative or nicknames. less
0: or less is more. You can flip it any way you want. But Amos, please like and subscribe to the program. Uh, C Mac, thank you for your contributions. Like and subscribe to the program. Hey, everybody out there listening to the program, like and subscribe. We are going to go ahead and get out of here. Disappointing loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game that was winnable, losable, tieable. It was kind of everything. It was Somehow one of those had a
1: chance to win that game.
0: It was one of those games that Mel described perfectly, Murphy's Law. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. And as always. Tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers. Yes, Dan Moore hates us, I'm sure.